Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Jason Lewis fills in again for Pete Callender, off taking a, a few days off, I should say, this week. Well-deserved, no doubt, but it's great to be back uh, in the saddle, as we say, here at WBT. Uh, I was a former talk show host here, a former member of Congress, and Minnesota's last conservative. Everybody else has left and turned the lights off in the North Star State, North Carolina. You do not want to be that. We're going to talk about that uh, in a moment, but first... In the good news versus bad news category, according to Hunter Biden's defense lawyers, yesterday's testimony from Devin Archer, Hunter's former business partner in front of a closed session of Congress, it really wasn't all that bad. I mean, yeah, the bad news is, according to the defenders, the bad news is that Joe Biden, um, well, he was on speakerphone during these lucrative business meetings with Hunter and his comrades. But the good news is, according to defense attorneys, he was asleep anyway, so he couldn't have possibly known about any of the of the business deals, right? I mean, that's essentially what they are saying today. This is astounding. As we talked about yesterday while it was going on, former business partner of Hunter Biden, Devin Archer, closed-door testimony to the House Oversight Committee yesterday confirmed, and he's about the 10th person to confirm it, that Hunter Biden was selling access to the highest levels of the United States government so he could sit on the board of Burisma, so he could cut a deal with a Chinese company, energy company, so he could, what was the Chinese energy company? I think it was CEFC, was it not? The Ukrainian energy firm, China, uh, you name it, he was getting cash from all over the globe for one reason and one reason only. It wasn't because he was supplying them with crack, although that may have been part of it. We don't know that. What it was is his dad was sitting in on the speakerphone giving a clear indication, you help my son out and you can give me a call one of these days. You don't have to talk about anything other than the weather to make the point clear. And Devin Archer did yesterday, contrary to what Joe Biden said in every single presidential debate in 2020, where he he was asked about Hunter or President Trump pointed out that you're a corrupt politician if your son is is, is basically in a pay-for-play scheme. And Biden would say words, I'll quote, that is not true. It is discredited. I've never uh, known anything about my son's business business affairs. And finally, Joe Biden said in response to the Ukrainian and China pay-for-play schemes, look, there are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plan. Fall back on the Russian collusion false narrative, which we also now know is true aided and abetted by the mainstream media for three years. But above and beyond that, what's not to like, right? You can trust us here at MSNBC and CNN, even though we lied to you repeatedly over and over again. 
And these were deliberate lies, folks. It did not take a Woodward and Bernstein to know that this Russian collusion nonsense was false from the get-go. In fact, Obama and Biden were briefed by Brennan and Intel officials that it was Hillary that was concocting a plan to vilify Trump. So instead of investigating the Hillary campaign, they investigated the Trump campaign. And these are the same 50 Intel officials who covered for Hunter's laptop when they knew that was false as well. This is so corrupt that I don't think impeachment is enough. Dare we say jail time? You know, I will tell you what I, what I absolutely cannot figure out in all of this, and it's always bugged me, and rarely does it seem to come up anymore. In fact, the media and the Democrats show it as a badge of honor as to Biden's proficiency. But now we know that he was getting cash, Hunter, and the big guy from, let's just say, this Ukrainian energy company, Burisma. Now, here's the problem. The problem with the whole Burisma nonsense was, according to Mr. Archer's testimony that's leaked yesterday, that there was pressure on Hunter to get his father to stop the investigation of Burisma by former Ukrainian prosecutor Viktor Shokin. Now, think about this for a moment. So you've got a son on the board of Burisma making millions. He knows nothing about energy and doesn't pretend to know anything about energy, let alone in Eastern Europe. Why was he there? Well, we know why he was there. Access to Joe. But now the whole scheme could have been blown up had the real reform Ukrainian, the former prosecutor, not Zelensky, he wasn't going to do a damn thing about it. This was the previous, previous hierarchy in Ukraine. At least the prosecutor represented that. He was investigating Burisma and was going to bring down criminal charges and hunters on the board? So what does Joe Biden do? He gets him fired. Not, not only that, he goes, I think it was the, the, was it CFR, Council on Foreign Relations? I can't remember where the press conference was. But it's now an infamous tape. It's all over. You can see it any place. He brags about getting him fired. He tells the Ukrainians, look, you're not going to get any more foreign aid if you don't fire this guy. He just didn't say who's investigating my son. You're not going to get any more foreign aid. And the, the, the Ukrainians push back. According to Biden in this, this infamous video clip, the Ukrainians push back. Well, you're not Barack Obama. And Biden says, well, call him then. And to, to, to paraphrase, actually to quote Biden, well, son of a bitch, they fired him. And he's bragging about this. Now, if this isn't a clear, clear impeachable offense, you are selling foreign policy to the highest bidder to protect your son. This is so clear. It's so demonstrably corrupt and demonstrably illegal and impeachable. Were it not for the media... And I want to be clear about this. The existential crisis we have in America is state-run media. I know I harp on this all the time. I was always a media critic before I went to Washington. I saw it up close and personal as a member of Congress. These people, 
These people are propagandists. They spew agitprop. They are not honest people. The mainstream news media is the problem. Yes, Virginia, the media is the problem. Don't think you get a bunch of conservatives who harp against the media and then people roll their eyes and say, yeah, that's just another conservative complaining about the press. No, actually, that is the problem. Because, it, and, and by the way, after weaponizing law enforcement and the military, the first thing dictators from Castro to, to you name it, to Hitler, to Stalin, Hugo Chavez, Pol Pot, Pick your favorite dictator. They, they take over the media. They want propaganda. It just so happens these people rolled over because they just love liberalism. And until we, until we straighten that out, and I think we apply consumer fraud statutes to the media, I think we apply campaign finance law to the media. If CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post is coordinating as a corporation with their favorite liberal Democrat, why is that not an in-kind contribution reportable on an FEC report? Corporations cannot contribute to politicians. Trade PACs can. Employees of corporations can. They can form a PAC. But corporations themselves, and yet corporate media, Contributes to Democrats every time they write a story. It's called an in-kind contribution. Why is that not reportable on the campaign finance disclosure? I'm just pontificating here. You have a situation where we now know through numerous sources. Tony Bobolinsky, Devin Archer, the two IRS whistleblowers last week. That the Bidens sold American foreign policy to the highest bidder. What the hell? Impeachment inquiry, file the articles now. <laughs> Trump calls Ukraine, calls on a telephone publicly recorded. It wasn't on some secret business meeting with a speakerphone. Publicly recorded saying, hey, you know what? Clean up your corruption in Ukraine. And for that, he's impeached. Well, in fact, he was right. There was, there was so much corruption in Ukraine, and I would argue still is, which is why I'm opposed to getting America involved in, in Ukraine, that we do not have a national security interest when there's a dispute over who gets access to the only warm water port the Soviets have had for a century. That's the dispute. It's a border dispute. Instead, what are we doing? We're threatening third, I mean, a nuclear war over this? And we don't even know how corrupt the Zelensky administration is, but we do know that a prosecutor was fired. Uh, th- this is crazy stuff, folks, and now it's been confirmed, and it's almost breathtaking. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's military surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. 
so good to be here. So good to be back in the saddle in the Carolinas and talking to all of you. So let's kick it off with Ray. He's in Clover. You're on WBT. Ray, hi. Hey, Jason. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing very well. How about you? Uh, good. I I wanted to say before I get to my point, uh, I really miss listening to you. I listened to you years ago when you were on, I think, from the three to six slot, I believe, with WBT. Yes, sir. Anyhow, I uh, had a question about the media. I wondered if you agree with me that when I say that I think the corporate biased media is responsible for the majority of the problems we have, and uh, they're biased, I'm pretty sure, because of uh, corporate greed, and, you know, they're looking out for their money. And greed has always been the same down through the years. So uh, if they were just as greedy years ago as they are now, why weren't they biased back say in the 50s or the 40s or the 60s that's a great question uh we talked a little bit about this yesterday and i'll go over that again and we'll talk about it with tony because rfk jr said the other day that the media are the problem they're treating him worse than donald trump and that he wouldn't vote for himself if he believed the caricature of of how the media portray him so this cancel culture this distortion of words and by the way, what, they, what the media will do, especially CNN, but MSNBC and the Times and the Post, they all do it. The Star Tribune of Minneapolis, the Observer for that matter. They take literal, or, or I should say figurative speech. You make an analogy, a metaphor, uh, an absurd comment, and they take it literally as though you meant it. And then they put that out there in a literal fashion to try to smear you. And right now, that's what they're doing with Donald Trump in January 6th. Why, on January 6th, Trump said, we're going to fight like hell. Well, how many times have you heard that, Ray? We're going to fight like hell. Whether you're playing football or whether you're in a campaign, it's a metaphor. It's a simile, right? Right. But they're using it literally, deliberately, to try to smear someone. So that's how dishonest they've become. As to why, and I think you're on to something, what has happened, and this is what this is the transformation, I believe, going on in conservatism today. There was this old National Review knee-jerk Chamber of Commerce view that anything with the word business on it was good. So the bigger the business, the better. We're pro-business, a knee-jerk reaction. What they didn't count on, what they didn't understand was that business was getting in bed with government. Government is supposed to be a referee. It is not supposed to be a player in the business world. We don't have corporate subsidies in a free market. We don't have regulatory capture where a business gets um, some drugs eliminated out of the pipeline and others approved that gives them a monopoly, right? Right. Big pharma. So So, what you're you're saying, Jason, if I'm understanding right, is that the corporate media didn't figure this out until like 50 60 years ago they figured out they could play it this way and play up to the government for the bottom line correct 100 percent, and take it one step further now if the, the government and the corporations are together and it's the corporations that advertise on media guess where the media is going to go I mean, yeah, how many CNN programs were sponsored by Pfizer during COVID, for crying out loud? (laughs) 
So it, it becomes pretty clear as to as to what's going on, and it's certainly a problem. But the rise of crony capitalism has has changed everything politically in America. People who are used to be conservative now sound liberal. People who used to be liberal now sound conservative, and that is because you you cannot have the power of the state mix with business. If you do, you don't have a market economy anymore. And RFK Jr. has been talking about that. We'll talk about the case for RFK, a, a reformist Democrat coming up with a co-founder of a super PAC backing him, Tony Lyons of uh, Skyhorse Publishing. That's coming up next hour. You don't want to miss that on WBT. I am Jason Lewis. And we are back. Uh, by the way, your calls in the meantime, 704-570-1110, the contact line. I do want to shift gears, though, a little bit to uh, some North Carolina issues here. Because my experience in the North Star State, Minnesota, my mother was born and raised in a place called North Minneapolis. It was one of the epicenters of the George Floyd riots. But long before that, it has been a very dangerous place. It was not that way. I mean, you know, you can go back many, many years and look at trade and try on and say, well, you know, that's gone from good to bad to good to bad. But what's happened in the Twin Cities has been the total degradation of what I mean, who, no, people aren't going to move to Minnesota for the weather, certainly aren't going to move there for the tax environment. And that's why they're leaving. But what they did move there for and why they stayed a very non-transient place was because of the quality of life. Decent schools, you could raise kids, safety. That's gone. It is gone in Minnesota. It may be going in North Carolina. We'll get to that in a second. But I bring up my home state because, uh, at least my mother's home state, uh, I was a convert. The Because of what's happened there, you don't want to happen to North Carolina. And this this is what's happening with Roy Cooper. He is the Tim Walls of North Carolina. He is the Phil Murphy of North Carolina, of left-wing governors, respectively, from Minnesota and New Jersey, who pretend to be mainstream fellows. They are nothing of the sort. And what has happened in North Minneapolis is it is now uninhabitable, as is South Minneapolis. Literally, you do not go there without security. The whole state now is is subjected to a carjacking rash, the likes of which have never been seen in Minnesota. It has imploded post the COVID lockdowns and the riots. And if you don't believe me, just take a look at the website Smart Asset. While North Carolina right now is the third most popular place to move after Texas and Florida, I believe, Minnesota ranks eighth. Oh, no. Not for moving, for leaving. After New York and California and Virginia and Jersey and those places, Minnesota, a state of only five and a half million people, is one of the top ten in people leaving the state. IRS data confirm it. Census Bureau data confirmed it. And frankly, had that had they not miraculously come up with why it was like a, it was like a presidential election, they miraculously came up with a bunch of new people in time to save their 8th Democrat congressional district in the 2010 or 2020 census. But that will go by the wayside next time. So people are fleeing Minnesota in droves. North Carolina, as I said yesterday, is on the precipice. They're at a crossroads. So right now in Raleigh, 
legislators are trying to get a budget deal done. And they struck a deal that nothing basically is going to get done. And they're already late. The fiscal year is supposed to start July 1. But they're supposed to get nothing else is going to get done until they get this deal done to lower or modest tax reform. The only problem with this is the tax. I'm not going to say it's a joke. But if you take the top income tax rate in North Carolina at 4.75% and promise to lower it to, are you ready? Hang on to your seats, gang. 3.99%, 4%. You are not a bold conservative. You are not a movement conservative. That won't do jack. And in fact, if you look at this smartasset.com website of all these people leaving, They're going to states with zero income tax, especially high-income earners who are going to these states, Texas, Florida, Arizona, Wyoming, you name, well, maybe not Wyoming, (laughs) but you get the drift, to open businesses. You know, you can't hate employers and love employees. And and I'm not talking about crony capitalism and big business. I'm talking about the mom-and-pop shops that make this economy go. And those people are relocating. And this cut from 475 to 4 is not going to do it. But worse than that, the quid pro quo they made with Cooper was, well, if we get this budget deal done, we'll agree to your Medicaid expansion. Now, I don't know where to begin with this because this is one of the things we tackled in the 115th Congress. And because of John McCain and a few chicken liver senators, it never got done. But you have to understand, well, let me just pose it to you. What do you think the fastest growing item on the federal budget is? If you answered Medicaid, you'd be right. When I was in Congress, the Medicaid budget was still the fastest growing item, but it was about $500 billion. $500 billion. You know what it is today? Over $750 billion, the number of people enrolled in Medicaid since the Medicaid expansion and then the COVID, we're not going to check anybody's income eligibility era, has grown by more than 20 million people since 2020, many of them childless, able-bodied adults. Now, that's still a minority, but it's childless, able-bodied adults who are not working getting Medicaid. So what does Roy Cooper want to do? He wants to expand Medicaid. The Democratic governor wants to extend the government-funded health care program to as many as 600,000 more adults. Are there work requirements attached to this? Nope, not a chance. Not a chance. Minnesota did this. And in a state of five and a half million people, which is much, much smaller than North Carolina, they added 200,000 people more to the budget, or to the Medicaid rolls. Um, If you do this, if you do this, you will be going backwards. And I want to explain and, and go into detail on this when we come back, because I think it's really, really important you understand how close North Carolina is to becoming the gold standard, a place to go versus just over the edge 
has a place to leave. That's what's at stake right now in Raleigh in the next few months uh, as well. All right, more on that in a minute. First, let me tell you, the Heritage Life Skills event was fantastic. Every year, Bill and Jan Sturett organize the event to help people get educated on how to be prepared for anything. The Sturettes own Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials you'll need for any kind of emergency. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies, because being prepared is just smart. The Heritage Life Skills event brings educated and vendors from all over to help people do just that, I was honored to be able to be a small part of it. And whether you're an experienced prepper, have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Jason Lewis filling in for Pete Callender. Stick around next hour. The co-founder of American Values 2024 Super PAC. That is the pro RFK Super PAC. The publisher of Fauci as well. The book by RFK. Tony Lyons of Skyhorse Publishing will join us making the case for RFK Jr. I'm telling you, the sort of dystopian era we find ourselves in when journalists are censoring Americans, when business have more in common with government than free markets when government believes in world government not american sovereignty it has changed everything in politics and if you wonder why geez is that jason lewis talking about the case for rfk that's the reason if you're wondering why rfk sounds like trump that's the reason everything is flipped on its head and we'll explore that next hour i can i can frankly hardly wait um Something I wrote about on my Jason's newsletter at jasonlewis.substack.com. I hope you're a subscriber. Uh, in fact, the newsletter was called The Case for RFK, and it's at jasonlewis.substack.com. Uh, wanted to do a, a quick little deep dive into this Medicaid issue because it started with Obamacare, and that's something we tried to repeal when I was in Congress, uh, as I mentioned. McCain had a deal, and he apparently went back on his word and torpedoed the deal. So it never got to conference committee. But the biggest, the biggest single expansion in Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, was not the exchanges. They are collapsing. Was not lowering of health insurance premiums. Anybody out there with an earshot? Is your health insurance premium lower today than it was 5, 10 years ago, 15 years ago? Not a chance. It's much higher. Well, are all those Obamacare enrollees on the exchanges the marketplace exchanges is that what's lowering the uninsured rate not a chance cbo had predicted 25 30 million people on the exchanges it's half of that no what obamacare really did that slipped under the radar screen was massively expand free single-payer health care through medicaid medicare is the program for seniors and ostensibly, you pay a premium in there, and you've been paying your, your uh, FICA taxes all these years and Medicare 2.9% payroll tax, and so you get something back. Medicaid, however, is just free health care. It is America's um, British system, and that's why it's bankrupting the federal government, along with you know uncontrolled discretionary spending but the entitlements are really what's driving this and medicaid when i was in congress was the fastest growing item on the federal budget i was on the budget committee and i know this sort of thing and indeed it's now even faster 
When I was there, it was half a trillion dollars. Now it's up to 750, three quarters of a trillion and growing. It's added 20 million people since COVID. That was by design. So we saw this when I was on the budget committee. And so we said, here's what we can do. Let's go back to Medicaid's original purpose, its mission for indigent women with children, for the disabled, for the poor elderly, those who cannot work and fend for themselves. It has since expanded massively. Now, the, the Democrat left wants undocumented immigrants to get it. They, they're already implementing a plan for ex-convicts to get it, felons. But the single biggest you know, um, provision that people don't want to talk about is the expansion into childless, able-bodied adults. Now, it can be as, as much as one-sixth to one, to one quarter of the system. No one knows for certain, because every time somebody opposes work requirements, about 25% of the people indicate they may drop off. This was something in our budget resolution to the American Health Care Reform Act, or the American Health Care Act, AHCH, when I was in Congress. And that was basically our bill to, to undo Obamacare, to repeal and replace Obamacare. And in it, we reverted Medicaid, because it's the fastest growing item on the budget, back to its original purpose for the blind, for the poor, for dependent moms, um, or moms with dependents, those sorts of things. And we said this, if you are on Medicaid and you are able-bodied without a child, without a dependent, you will have to do at least part-time work or training to get the free health care. Oh my gosh, you would have thought we'd propose World War III. Well, it would have worked. It would have saved hundreds of billions of dollars over the 10-year budget window. And now Republicans are back. They are proposing the same thing in the debt ceiling bill back in April. Um, able-bodied adults between ages 19 to 55 who don't have children would be required to work. Now, you've got 85 million people enrolled in Medicaid. At least 15 million and maybe more would be subject to this requirement. It would save billions of dollars if, in fact, people quit. Well, the people are going to go without health care. No, just get a part-time job for 20 hours a week. Who seriously could be opposed to this? I, I want to repeat that. I hope folks at the Charlotte Observer are listening. Who seriously could be opposed to this? We're talking about childless, able-bodied adults being forced to get a part-time job. Oh, and by the way, here's, here's a news flash for you. Um... Small business needs help. They can't keep people. People aren't working during the COVID era. They, they, they literally can't find help. So it's not that you can't find a job. But Roy Cooper doesn't give a damn. Roy Cooper wants to extend Medicaid coverage to hundreds of thousands of people in Medicaid expansion. Hey, he said the feds will pay for it, but the dirty little secret is the federal funds run out and then North Carolinians will have the tab. If you expand this Medicaid program under what Cooper and apparently the legislature has agreed to do. Uh, I just wanted to bring this to your attention because it's really a, a way to dig the North Carolina budget into a deep 
deep hole. Stick around, gang. Hour number two on the way. Do not touch that dial. I'm Jason Lewis in for Pete today on News Talk 1110-993-WBT.